Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. The lack of communication to their customers, it's terrible, you know, and I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, it, it's another day where the newspapers are just telling all of the stories uh, as Chris Luck continues to grieve, continues to try to understand what the hell happened. And the rest of us look to it and we think, what on earth happened? And how could it have been any of us at any time, anywhere, any garage in our country just to pull in for an ice cream or a bit of money at the ATM or a coffee or a sup of diesel or a birthday cake for your mummy. And, well, you know the rest. Good morning to you. Tuesday morning, this newspaper's once again dominated by Chris. Look, there's the front page of The Sun. A beautiful picture of Jessica Gallagher. Her funeral will be one of the first. There were two today. One at 11 o'clock, one at two. Hers will be one of the first. The Irish Independent brings us pictures of the vigils that continue to be heard. Lament for Creechluck is the front page headline there. Irish Daily Mail has a remarkable front page photograph, a beautiful front page photograph and heartbreaking at the same time of a candlelit vigil. Tears for hero dad. This is a really sad story. One of the victims, James Flaherty. Um, his, his little boy was in the car and was going to get out of the car to come into the shop with his dad but uh, for some reason his dad said stay there and he'd lost something he was fishing around in the car for something he'd lost and he's alive to tell the tale Irish Daily Mail has another photograph of Leona Harper Uh, she was on the front page there this morning she's 14 years of age all your papers again full of it um, full of crease luck, and it, you just these are one of these stories that will go on and go on and go on until you know the way the media works, and sometimes people criticize it is we're there once it's happened, we'll be there till the funerals are done, and then the people of crease luck will have to mourn and have to try to rebuild their shattered lives. Maureen clearly, Maureen Cleary is there for us this morning, Maureen. I, as a person who spent many years on the road as a reporter, I feel for you all trying to do this job over the last couple of days. Describe the scene for me. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, indeed, it is a really, really horrible and tough story to cover. But I have to say just on the front that everyone here has been so friendly. You know, realistically, as you mentioned, you know, we're strangers with microphones and notepads. And when a community is grieving, you know, we're not always the most welcome and that's totally understandable. But the community has been so open to talk to us. I think they're really conscious of, I suppose, sharing the stories of the victims. And everyone has a story. Everyone in the village knows where they were when that bang happened. You know, there's a heavy, heavy 
atmosphere it's easy to say all these cliches but it really is true and um, like just to give you an example i was by the scene yesterday and i was um, struck up a conversation with an elderly man up there and he was looking at the house next door to the filling station and it was an old house you could see it used to have single pane windows they were actually blown out in the explosion and he had tears in his eyes he said that's where he actually grew up that was his parents house and wow. um, so everyone is connected in some way to the story and every single person has a story that they actually are willing to talk about it's 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 lovely to see that they're willing but i suppose it's just harrowing at the same time to hear the details of it because it's a tiny tiny place this was probably the, one of the biggest structures in Krishlock Absolutely, you know they keep on saying that it's it is the um, the meeting point of the town. It was a busy station. The family that owned the petrol station, uh, Lafferty's, they owned another business in the town up to a few years ago, and um, so they were well known. And it was a nice place to call into, by all accounts. And one woman said that she lost her husband a few years ago, and that the ladies in the shop would often call into her house to see if she needed anything. That she wasn't coming out of her house as much as she used to when she was grieving. Um, and she just said that's an example, I suppose, of the atmosphere that was there. Um, she even said as well that they they used to know what you'd want coming in. She said yeah. they they'd have the cigarettes nearly out ready to go when she was walking up to the till. They they knew each other so well, and that's how close knit the community is. You do get that sense up here. Yeah, if you've ever driven around Donegal, I'm sure you mm. have. Uh, something that I read in one of the newspapers this morning really struck me. A, a person said everybody here comes from a small place. That's the nature of being from Donegal. Yes, yeah, it is. And it is. It's a whole ribbon road of of um, of windy roads, I suppose you could say, with villages and towns all around them. You know, like we have one of the victims, James O'Flaherty. He's from Derry Beg. Leona Harper is from Remelton. Um, you know, like people are, are from around, but I suppose you're always going between those towns and villages. And like that, just to give a scale, I suppose, of how small the place is to, um, it was the only shop in the village. So they've actually left some bread and milk and biscuits and stuff like that at the back of the church so that anyone oh. who just can't get themselves to another village to pick up the essentials that you oh would have done God. in your local petrol station, you can grab them there for free. So there's isn't, lovely little things like that so going lovely, on. Maureen, isn't that lovely, just It's so just... It's a pure act of kindness. It really is. And even just, I've noticed so many people are just greeting each other with hugs, which I think is really, really nice. You know, sometimes Irish people in general can be slow to, I suppose, be affectionate in that way, but everyone is stopping and talking. Um, in fact, I was talking to two volunteer rescuers. They were two of the first people on the scene yesterday. Uh, Bernard and Colin were their names. And they were telling me that, you know, they worked in construction all their lives and that, they're ready to talk to someone um, about this, like someone professionally. And they said, I thought I'd never say that about myself. But, you know, I, I think it'd be worthwhile talking to someone because of the things they've seen. So people are really trying to support each other and, sure. and they are hopefully accessing, I suppose, the supports that are available to them. Now, there are two funerals today, the first of the two, one yes. at 11 and one at two o'clock. Who, who will be led to rest today, Maureen? So we've Jessica Gallagher, the 24-year-old uh, fashion uh, designer who was due to start her job. It's been well publicised. Uh, due to start a job in Belfast this week. She was visiting her boyfriend in an apartment that was part of that building. Um, so she'll be laid to rest today at 11 in Chrysla. And then Martin McGill, Scotch Martin, as he's been known. A few people have said that to me now. He was from Scotland originally, moved here to care for his mother about 10 years ago, who has passed away since. Um, he was quite popular in the town, a big Celtic supporter. He'll be buried at two o'clock. You might have noticed, or you might have heard last night that there was actually a minute silence in the uh, Celtic game last night. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe that was connected to Scotch Martin. Yeah, it's just, it's, 
it's very hard to comprehend then as well that when we've our jobs done, you've your jobs done, mm. and all the others up there, we, we, we'll walk away and yeah. this little community will be left to try to pull itself back together and try to rebuild itself. Absolutely. You know, just even walking around the town yesterday, you could see the kids were out in the in the yard in school and the pharmacy, those people coming and going. Now, in fairness, the streets were very quiet, but it's just I suppose it was sad to see that life is having to continue on to some extent, but it will never be the same. And that is the reality when all of us press up and leave, you know, they really do have to try and pick up the pieces. It's an you mentioned little the the kids and little Shauna who was unbearable only f- thought and unbearable process. They have to go through. Sorry, you dropped out there for a second. You mentioned the kids and little Shauna who was only five. Uh, her her classmates just have no idea what happened. Yes. they have no idea, do they? No, there's no way to comprehend it. And like that, I was actually speaking to another parent who was um, a year older than her. Th- her child, rather, is a year older than little Shauna. And she was saying it's just, it's not something that's going to connect. It's not something that's going to make sense for a number of years. Um, and she said it's also sad, you know. She, oh, that's she, she, you know, disclosed to me that she hopes it's in the child's first memory. You know, yes. that's the other side of it. Yes. Um, that she hopes is how this is what's, you know, going to be a marker for this for the start of her life. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different impacts. It's such a domino effect from this, and it is so widely felt. You know, you know, I'm sailing Dunfanaghy, a village um, around five minutes down the road, and it's, um, it's completely felt in this village in the same way it is in Creesla. Yeah, Dunfanaghy, I know. Creesla, I've never been to. But it just, it's, it's, mm. there's beauty everywhere you go in Donegal. Beautiful, beautiful people. Lovely, lovely people. <laughs> Lovely people, lovely people. That's the, actually, you know, someone made the comment that the scenery is only matched by the people. You know yes. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful country, uh, county, rather. But the people have been so open and so welcome. Like I said at the offset, you know, I totally understand if someone doesn't want to talk to me or anything like that. But so many people have just struck up a conversation. And like that, it's not always, you know, about getting the story. It's just having a conversation with people. Yeah. People do want to talk about it. Yeah. And you're just, you're just there to listen to the job. That, but um, people that- have been so open. That that human kindness and human human outpouring of grief. Thank you very much, Morad. Appreciate that. Uh, live from um, live live from Donegal from Krishna. Uh, the line breaking up there at the end. That's why I just left it on email. Um, thank you, Morad. On email, there'll be a vigil Thursday night for the victims of the tragedy at Krishna. We will meet at the Lion House car park in Douglas, know it well, uh, to start the vigil walk up the Mangala, please bring a candle. And that's from Marie. That's so kind. I know it well. I know then the forecast for Friday isn't too bad. It's the Lion House in Douglas. If you're wondering where that is and you want to go, if you know where the community park is in Douglas, if you know where the Tesco is in Douglas, there's the community park is near that, just across the road, in fact. If you wanted to walk through the community park I'm going to take a liberty by saying this now if you wanted to go to Douglas and park go in and park in the Tesco and that's open till 10 o'clock or so go in and park in the Tesco and walk down through the community park and just come out the back of the park and across the road there's a car park that's the Lion House car park and then the vigil walk will go up through uh, the Mangala Woods and bring a candle That'll be lovely. 
Thank you for that, Mary. 0818969696. Now, our own Moiraid uh, from the newsroom here at 96FM went to the City Hall yesterday where the Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre Ford, has opened a book of condolence and indeed in the county. They've also opened a book of condolence at the County Hall. Uh, Moiraid spoke to some people who were queuing up to sign the book of condolence and to pay their respects. I feel so, so sad for the people in Donegal and all over, all over Donegal and all over Ireland anyway. Because it's, it's, it affects me thinking about it. Like, it could be any one of my kids went in for an ice cream. It, you know, we, we could have stopped for petrol there sometime. I'm from the Kinsale area, which is the wild Atlantic way, the other side of Donegal. Donegal is the top, Kinsale is the bottom. And I thought it'd be nice to come and sign the book. And yeah, did it mean a lot to you to have the opportunity locally to sign a book here? Absolutely, I think it's a great idea. And I, and I hope lots of people will do it, and they will. And all over the whole country is grieving for Donegal, in fairness. Like, you, you, you couldn't say enough at the moment to appreciate how lucky we are that we weren't in that situation like they are in Donegal at the moment. I came here today because I think everybody's affected by this sad occurrence. Uh, ten innocent people who went about their business. One going in for uh, a birthday cake for their mother. The other man going in for an ATM. Somebody else going in for sweets. It could be any one of us. And I know Chrysler, myself, and such a small community. I come from a small community and, you know, one is very badly affected. So it's the least that we can do to come along and um, show our sympathy, which is very little, but those people are going to go through an awful lot. And, you know, we just have to pray for them. Indeed. Just on that event I was mentioning beforehand, I, I'm right there, Mary, isn't it? That you, you Gathering at the, the Lion House in Douglas morning. Good morning. Yes, PJ. Gathering at the Lion House car park in Douglas around 6.45 and then we'll walk up through the Mangler with candles at 7pm. Yeah. Now, we did one for Ashling Murphy, you know, and uh, we had a very, very big turnout. Yeah. So I'm expecting a big turnout again. Yeah. It's, it's really even hard to think about it, isn't it, Mary, without filling up yourself? Oh, it is awful. It's absolutely, I don't know, it's unbearable to think about terrible sad very sad altogether yeah. and there's nothing we can really do except think and only and think to, and pray know, and you know yes try to send but, some kind of love if that's all I can use yeah that's it now and, and you know maybe you know just let people know that we're all we're all together do you know yeah. what I mean now we're all on the one wavelength and um uh, mm. oh it's just so sad I think I don't know what I'm saying what, it's just what, so sad. one of the things that hit us in the gut Obviously, the, the human tragedy of this hits us all very much, any of us with a family or any of us who... But the fact that it was such a simple, ordinary thing, like popping in to get an ice cream in the garage. That's right. It could be any of us today, even popping into Circle K and Douglas. Do you know what I mean? That's right. How easy something happened, how That's your life changes in the blink of an eye. Or out for a spin on a Sunday in the country, and you decide oh, yeah. you'd like a coffee and a bar of chocolate, you pull in. That's yeah. right, yeah. Oh, it is awful. It is terrible. It is terrible. Quarter to seven, Friday evening at the uh, Lion House. No, Camp. Thursday evening. Thursday, Thursday evening. Beg PJ. your pardon. You're okay, you're okay. Thursday evening, um, quarter to seven, 
and we'll walk up the mangles and, and uh, when we come back down the end then we'll have a decade of the rosary. All right, okay. Thank you very much, Mary, for that. So Thursday evening in Douglas at Lion House. Bring a candle if you want to. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's something that man said on the Vox Pop is after knocking me for six something really simple. Um he said the mentioned the Wild Atlantic Way. And he said he's a Kinsale man. And that you could start, and you can. You could start with your little car down in Kinsale. You can drive all the way up the West Coast, up the wild Atlantic way, and drive inland a little bit, and eventually you will find yourself in Chrysler. And that is the connection. That's I, 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 I'm actually struggling with this more than, I've, more than, more than I can get my head around. And I don't know why. 0818 96 96 96. A car has crashed on the hill near Shamrocklawn in Douglas. It's hit a wall on the way down to St. Columbus School. Hope nobody was injured in that. I know the area only too well. And with the traffic there of a morning, it's a miracle. It doesn't happen more often. Car crash on the hill near Shamrock Lawn on the way down to St. Columbus. 0818 96 96 96. Play it on repeat. Or time to delete. An absolute belter. Or a total head melter. Sing in the shower. Or turn off the power. Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96 FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey and the cash could be yours. Go to 96fm.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Munster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. Sports 96fm. Now, if you know y'all uh, and you know the old Imperial Hotel in y'all, you'll know... Brunch and Delhi, which is right there at the uh, old Imperial Hotel. And the very sad news was posted in the last while uh, that they are closing. Uh, one of the co-owners is Paul McElduff. Cost of living, Paul. Morning. Morning, PJ. Sorry to hear this news, mate. Look, it's uh, we're, we're disappointed. We're very disappointed and, 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 and sad to have had to make the decision. Uh, just to clarify, the, the hotel remains open. It's uh, Brunch and Deli, which is down the, the street, which, is, which, which we've had to, had to make the decision to close down. Um, but look, and it, 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 look it, is, it is pretty much down to, down to the cost of, of doing business and the cost of living at the moment. Um, you know, we've seen our energy re- costs rise by 150% in the last six or seven months nine months maybe um you know and the cost of food and other elements have, have have gone up as well and we just got to the point where where we couldn't see a way forward to make it to, to make it work uh, effectively anybody doing fresh food or using heavy electricity like using coffee machines yes. and cookers and stuff like that they're all struggling at the moment 150% in in how many months uh, I think that's since that's this year. So I suppose coming coming from from January to now, so nine they, ten months. They've travelled, they've travelled. Yes. Wow. And we like that in the story. You you can't you can't jack up prices to match that. You just can't. No, I mean you know the, you have to remember the customers under pressure as well. I mean everybody's everybody's costs, everybody's disposable income has has reduced. So I mean, it, it's not as simple as just passing on the cost. I mean, there's only so much you can charge for. A cup of coffee or a fry without uh, without 
deeply upsetting people, and rightly so. I mean, you know, there's there's a there's a price point for these for 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 everything. Uh, so you 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 know you can't just pass on the, that cost uh, in full to people uh, and expect them to accept it. Is, is uh, because the they're under pressure too. Cost of supplies gone up as well. I mean, uh, cost of supplies have gone up. Yeah, um, you know. And again, you know, with the war in Ukraine, there's been pressure on on food pricing. Um, transport costs have gone up for distributors and for suppliers, um, and their energy costs have gone up as well. So, I mean, you know, the the whole supply chain is is under pressure, uh, and costs are rising across the board. Yeah, and you got through two years of COVID and got out the other side. We did, and I think a lot of people yeah. thought, Paul, thank goodness we're done now. And then this. <laughs> Yeah, there is that. Now, to be fair, I suppose that you know there there was um, a reasonable level of of supports in place for for businesses during COVID, and I think government had had did do a good job of of providing some supports to keep to keep businesses going uh, during that period. Uh, but the the level of supports just at the moment, considering everything that's going on, um, is is hard. I mean, the, yeah. you know. A lot yeah, of businesses. Yeah, this new one, the like, T-Best or the T-Mest or whatever it was in the budget, would that be any good to you? Uh, look, everything helps, but it probably doesn't go far enough really for, for a lot of uh, the small businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, for the big hotels that are, that are, that are seeing massive increases in their in their energy bills and 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 would have very very large bills at the best of times uh it will it, you know it will it will relieve some pressure uh but you know 40% of your increase is not necessarily 40% of your bill so it, you know it doesn't it doesn't go as far as it kind of maybe sounds like it does i was just about to say that it when it it sounded great when they announced it but when you dig into the detail it's not as generous as the covid payments were for example no no, and look, the COVID payments were were hugely necessary at the time. That was, you know, that was a different issue because a lot of places were closed down entirely. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think they, I think maybe government are maybe slightly underestimating the pressure that small businesses are under at the moment. Yeah. Now, y'all is a place with many many small businesses. I can only think of starting at the hotel and taking a walk. There must be yeah. loads of them struggling at this stage. Look, I wouldn't like to speak for anybody anybody else's business, but I would imagine that there, you know, our cost increases are are mirrored in a, in a lot of other businesses. Um, you know, there's y'all, y- you know, y'all is a small town that is, has, does have a lot of small businesses, uh, but there's a lot of community spirit there as well. There's, you know, our cost the, the town people of the town are good at at shopping local and supporting yeah. local businesses, and and we really appreciate that. Um, you've asked them even in your you know, own troubled hours of, of difficulty. You've asked them to keep doing that. Absolutely, it's very important, not just for y'all, but for everywhere that that that, uh, that people support local local small businesses. I mean, nobody wants to to close the business, and we're we're disappointed to do that for for many reasons. We, you know, we. We want to we want to provide services for our customers. Uh, I want to provide sta- uh, jobs for my staff who've who've worked so hard for us over the last eighteen months and uh, and are, are you know no longer have a uh, no longer have a job for them. Um, and, and you know and also our own suppliers who who've worked with us over the last period of time to uh, you know to provide a good quality of, of of food and and stuff like that and and you know again I'm I'm not I'm not using them anymore so there's you know it has an effect not just on us but on on our customers and on our 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 our, our team of staff and on our suppliers and, and so, every, you know every staff member that's the wage packet going into a, a family exactly. home it's it's, yeah. it's it's a tough time it's a very tough time. <laughs> 
It is. And look, you, you know, you have a door closed on the main street as well, which we don't want, you know, it's not, not something that we want to see. Okay. The hotel continues, yeah. though. The hotel continues. And look, you know, we, we, we will carry on there. Um, you know, there are there are some positives in, in y'all. Um, you know, there was an announcement there this week that uh, the two new vo- viewing points are going to get the go ahead. So Obviously. that will help. You know, there's, you know, there was great positivity around Ironman early yeah. in the, earlier in the year in August. Yeah. And there was great buzz around the town about, uh, around that and, and a lot of positive messages. I mean, there was what, maybe 15, 20,000 guests coming through y'all that week. And they all left with such a positive message about the town. So, oh. you know, the greenway is coming. The, there's there's there is still positives for the town um and positives for our small businesses going forward we just need some help to get through to there yeah but these these are tough days all right listen thank you very much for speaking to me paul mcduff a co-owner of brunch and deli in y'all um, he's a co-owner uh, with um with Dan Leahy. Also, they're both of the Imperial Hotel. The hotel is fine. The hotel is staying there. The ho- there's no fears for the hotel just now. But Brunch and Delhi gone. A victim of the cost of living crisis. And just something Paul said there reminds me, and I keep saying this, and I probably sound like a broken record, but the business leader, leading business person in Cork said to me a few weeks ago at an event, PJ, he said, this will close more businesses than COVID ever did. John and Cove says, what's going on in the world right now is man-made greed. We got through COVID, but what's happening at the moment is wars all over the globe, not just Ukraine, and it's entirely man-made. The big boys on the top are making billions, if not trillions, on the backs of low-paid workers. You can be sure if these things weren't making money for them, they'd stop in an instant. We were put on the globe, every one of us, to enjoy the world. We defeated the natural threat. Will we ever be free of this man-made one? Thanks, John. 0818 Got a, a message in from Dave, who describes himself as an exhausted dad. He says, PJ, I'm wondering if your listeners can help. Our little girl is two and a half. We recently moved her from the cot to a bed. And it's been nothing short of a nightmare since. She simply will not settle for us at night. We have to stay with her for hours. Then she keeps waking. So we're awake all night long. I feel like I'll never sleep a full night again. We can't put her back in the cot because she jumps out and hits her head. Does anyone have some tips and advice on what we can do? Dave, an exhausted dad. Oh, that stage, Dave, where they're they can get out of the cot they might brain themselves in the process but they can and then you put them into the bed and they won't sleep in the bed oh I think we've all been there we have all been there Dave you poor old devil Lucy Wolf, sleep consultant morning Lucy good morning how are you? good we have all been where Dave is oh absolutely and I suppose the exhausted parent would be my speciality unfortunately yeah yeah, it's it's a stage um, they've got to go through, taking her out of the cot and putting her into the bed. Um, yeah, it is a stage that we all at some point will go through. Um, I guess, and I understand from Dave's email that there's a safety issue at play. And we'll yeah. talk about that. But generally speaking, I would be of the mind that as long we, that we would keep our children in their cots for as long as possible. Yeah. So... 
um, I, I tend to have a little bit of a guidance around that that I would suggest that it's best if we wait until they are potentially toilet trained. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is also potentially best if we wait until they are nap free. So nappy free and then maybe nap free. And most children, not all, but most children will, will no longer be napping by around three. And then actually on top of that, I like that the child is maybe over three. And the reason for those kind of three sort of uh, suggestions, PJ, is that developmentally older than three and even closer to three and a half and having been toilet trained, we know that they can really start to understand and see through actions. Mm -hmm. Things like stay in your bed, don't get out. Here's my expectations of you in a loving framework. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that we don't always have the luxury of that because often at some point in the twos, our young children may start to hop out of the cot and then it presents a safety issue. Mm -hmm. But before I'd ever transition to the bed in the twos, on that point, I try and see why are they hopping out and can I help them re, you know, establish their positive associations with the cot? Because often that jumping out of the cot is a moment in time because maybe they are, you know, looking for some reason they don't feel safe in the cot for a moment in time or they have just developed this climbing skill for a moment in time and they're exploring and rather than having that knee jerk reaction and going straight to the bed and then having what maybe Dave is describing there, then I try and see, can I support them in reestablishing the cot and, and, and being safe in the cot and, and being safe by not jumping out. So I always go there first. OK, yeah. and then when I'm in a situation, let's say like our listener, um, I try and see what can I put back together? I hear that putting her back into the cot isn't an option. But now that the sleep has deteriorated and this has been going on for a while, it's possible we have to kind of regroup and look at all of the things that impact sleep in general. And one of the biggest pieces that impact sleep is our children's begin to get overtired. So yeah. it's taken her ages to go to sleep. Um, she's probably going to sleep later than she was. If she's routinely now waking through the night, she's also becoming overtired because she's not well rested anymore. So sometimes it might look at, does she now need her nap to be put back in place during the day if it's not there at the moment? And on top of that, do we need a slightly earlier bedtime? And I always start there first, PJ. Now, also, I look at other things. So I'm going to look at, you know, outside activity, fresh air, the diet. So everything has to be taken into account. Mm. So does the huge connection piece with the parent, the one to one time, the engagement with them throughout the course of the day. And then specifically when it's time for sleep, Mm. sleep's the biggest point of separation for our young children and often not wanting to be left on their own or not wanting to stay in the bed or hop out of the cot is because they want a little bit more of us. And this is where our bedtime routine layered with big, deep connection throughout the course of the day helps to solidify this. Um, the, the the climbing thing, just yeah. come back to that for a second. Um, I know exactly what Dave was going through because short of putting chicken wire and gaffer tape over the top of my son's cot when he was two and a half <laughs> and learned how to climb. My, my wonderful father-in-law, God be good to him, what he did at the time, he was a magnificent handyman. He actually dropped the base of the cot so the little devil couldn't climb out. And that was yeah. okay for about ten days. But, 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 but like, the thing about it is they're going to climb because they can. Uh, 
Yes, know? they are going to climb because they can. And I suppose, first of all, safety has to be the priority. And just like you're describing there, you exhausted all options. You know, you safely dropped the cot down to the lowest level. I was joking like about the chicken wire, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but as, and once we exhaust that, then the cot, is, the cot isn't an option. But I do before I go there in terms of my exhaustion of uh, um, of options you know I make sure they're getting lots of outside activity in fresh air I'm filling the sensory diet I'm climbing during the day I'm really practicing it loads so that need to escape or explore is reduced and often we have to look at the environment like are they spending a lot of time cooped up are they spending a lot of time in the buggy in the car in the high chair are they also in a playpen during the day because if these things are, are, are relevant then it's often possible that they won't stay in the cot and they keep wanting to hop out okay as a result so we have to look at all of those things and then sometimes I try and teach them how to be in the cot so that they learn to feel safe and not need to climb often they want to climb because they want to be with you so I often stay with them and I go low on the floor and I encourage them to come down at my level and if they start to climb I explain to them no climbing but I stay with them and I support them emotionally and physically and practically so that I'm kind of teaching them that piece but like I said if we get to a stage where that's all not viable then a bed is the next thing but we still have the same but a similar issue it's 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 safer but we may find it really difficult to keep them in the bed yes. and I suppose this is where that developmental cognitive piece comes into play about levels of understanding but just like anything with parenting we show our children in words and our and our actions all within a loving framework so that they begin to understand what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. The length of your bedtime routine before you ever get, get into bed is really important. Yeah. And also the time that you do your bedtime routine is also really important. So yeah. when we're struggling with something like this, it's about looking at an, an earlier bedtime. And often when I'm looking at earlier bedtimes, I often start things off really early, PJ, like 20 past half past six, because I'm going to try and ha- I'm trying to, going to beat the body clock before it becomes overtired. But before I ever get into bed, I might spend 20 or 30 minutes in the bedroom in a space that we create. I call it a bedtime area. And in this bedtime area, we do all of the activities to do with getting ready for sleep so that our bedtime routine is centered in the bedroom. And that, let's say, throughout the course of the day, we spend lots of time in and out of the bedroom. Uh, So we have really good positive forms and associations with the room itself. And then where bedtime is concerned, and often I back end this with, you know, showing them, making them a book with them, showing them in words and in pictures what's expected around the sleep time. So we're doing this really nicely and gently. And we're also giving them a sense of control. This age group, this is the age of, as they begin to become way more independent, they learn way, you know, cause and effect, no verbal communication, yeah. bargaining. This is it. This you're, is what you're anticipating what I was going to ask you, and I know you, you, mm. your explanation of why they do all the climbing and why they do all this and all that and all the other, there is a very good psychological developmental explanation for it all. But I have a question for you, but let me clear a break first, Lucy, if you wouldn't mind, because some people yeah. are calling for some advice as well. I'm talking to a Lucy Wolf uh, sleep consultant, Dave's kid is two and a half and won't stay in the cot and they can't get her to rest in the bed. And we've all been there. Oh my God, we've all been there. 
Uh, more next. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Jim Grogan's Coffee Morning in aid of Breast Cancer Ireland takes place at the Dean Hotel on Monday the 17th of October between 10.30am and midday. Speakers on the day will include the founders of Jim Grogan as well as Breast Cancer Ireland representative Juliette O'Connell. 100% of proceeds from the sale of tickets will go directly towards Breast Cancer Ireland. For more information on the event, check out jimgrogain.com. If you have an event you would like mentions, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96fm. Talking to sleep expert and sleep consultant Lucy Wolf. Dave contacted the opinion line. His little girl's two and a half. They've moved her from the cot into a bed and they themselves are hardly getting a wink of sleep since. Lucy, before it comes some questions coming in, but just before I move on to that, how much of this climbing crack is, is pure divilment because they can and, and doesn't have any hidden message to it? Well, everything has a message to it. All communication is, right? But it's just trying to explore it. So we're trying to exhaust the different avenues that we've already discussed. And I suppose... As this particular child, as this age group begin to, you know, get a greater sense of self and higher level of independence, we see this. And I suppose we embrace it and love it for what it represents. It's maturation. And that's really important. How we manage it is the next thing. And I suppose we start to talk about there, like kind of having that logical and linear process towards sleep time, trying to avoid overtiredness because overtiredness heightens that exploration uh, concept. It puts a puts a child into a second wind dynamic, which makes it really difficult for them to get to sleep in the first place. So even just briefly, if we kind of have a bedtime routine that happens in the bedroom, but not in the bed. So that there's a separation between preparation and going to sleep. That's really important. And then that bedtime routine itself is long enough with plenty of opportunities for deep connection with the child and the parent. And that's reading, engaging, chatting, lots of physical contact, lots of eye contact. So that before we get ready for separation, they're feeling calm and regulated as a result. And then when the lights go out, then we get into the bed. And I suppose to begin to help this transition um, with someone who won't stay in the bed at the moment or is finding it difficult to get to sleep and won't stay in the bed, I put the parent beside the child, so sitting beside them and, and using my stay and support approach because that's what they need. They need support to get to sleep. And once that situation is all calmed down, which it will be, when we bring forward bedtimes and when we lengthen bedtime routines and when we look at all the external environmental factors that we've talked about already, and then we support them to get to sleep. Over the course of maybe two weeks, we can then phase the parent out of the room and we repeat the same exercise overnight so that they can start to stitch their sleep together one more time. Now, it's difficult because we're all tired. But again, we're looking at improving things. And, you know, with any improvement exercise, often things get a little bit worse before they get better, but they absolutely get better. Often parents need a plan PJ, to help them go through it because sleep is multidimensional. Childhood development is multi, multi dimensional. And as a result of that, it's never just one thing. I have a series of online courses that might be helpful to parents um, that they can download and begin to implement. And that can sometimes be a good way to try and, you know, distill the information quite quickly okay, and um, for themselves and then start to put an action plan in place as well. A couple of questions that have come in. My child cries regularly at 3am. I started bringing her into the bed with me. Now she does it every night. 
have I created a nightmare? She won't go back into the cot. That's from Katie. And, you know, whenever we hear about something that's happening in the, no- the night, it is generally a symptom of something else that's going on. Does that make any sense? So the waking in the night is just a symptom. And our job uh, is to try and figure out what's contributing to that. Um, often the waking is, is, is initiated by either what's described as an association. So if the child requires intervention to get to sleep, so let's say they rely on a bottle to get to sleep, hand-holding, patting, cuddling, nothing wrong with any of those things except the way sleep itself operates they often might need that to be repeated through the night which means they waken and they cry at certain times and then we do different things to support them back and if we start bringing them into the bed for example an expectation loop begins so the waking continues as a result of that so that's one reason why children wake in general and again, there's loads of other pieces to the puzzle, of course. I know that you appreciate that. And also overtiredness is another reason. And overtiredness comes from a lot of different areas. So often overtiredness is when naps are not balanced. Yeah. So top heavy morning nap, weak second and third naps, yeah. or bedtimes that happen too late, or bedtimes that happen when your child has been awake for too long before bedtime. The biggest thing, so again, uh, the worst problem with over overtiredness, Lucy, I think most people will identify it here. It's not like a light that goes on. You, you can't tell until you realise that you're in the middle of it. That's the thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's absolutely true. And again, it, it exists on a spectrum almost, you know, where it kind of grows. And then as children get more overtired, the problems tend to become more heightened. Sure. I guess the first thing we can help parents understand is there is a difference between getting tired and overtired in terms of presentation. So overtired symptoms are intense. You know, they're intense eye rubbing, big type yawning, agitation, clenching fists, stretching limbs, beginning to get entertaining, clumsy, you know, there's overtired symptoms. Or grumpy. Or very, very grumpy, I guess. Yeah, whingy, fussy, moaning, all of those things. One last quick one, uh, Lucy. Anita has a problem. A child is almost three, cries for his bottle, has tried to stop giving it to him, but he seems he just will not go back to sleep without it. Yeah, so he's used to it. You see, it's like the same as waking and being brought into bed. It becomes an expectation. So again, it isn't about not giving it. It's about slowly changing how you do things. And the first thing I would always say is there is likely, if there's a bottle overnight, there is likely a bottle at bedtime, which is quite typical. However, the bottle at bedtime creates the expectation of the bottle overnight. So I usually reposition that drink and offer it with a 45 minutes clearance between finishing that feed and expecting to go to sleep. Does that make sense? So again, we're we're changing the association at bedtime. We're moving away from bottles to sleep. And as a result of that, it doesn't stop the bottle need overnight, but it makes it easier to... It just shifts it in time. Exactly. And then we, we generally wean the bottle, you know, so we reduce what's in it. So you can't go cold turkey. The body is used to it. The brain is used to it. Your child is used to it. And so we generally look to reducing things down. And whenever I'm changing things, PJ, I always use my stay and support approach. Okay. Where where is your website? Where can we find your online courses? Because I know a lot of people really interested in what you're talking about, as always. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Uh, Sleepmatters.ie. You'll find everything about all my services, my books, my online courses and my one-to-one consults as well. And I'm really active on social media and I'd love for people to join me there as well. Lucy, we'll talk again because these are ongoing problems. Uh, Sleepmatters.ie is Lucy Wolf's website. 0818 96 96 96. I hope somewhere in there is a solution for poor old Dave. 
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, your next chance to win your way to see Harry Styles in Rio on the 8th of December between 11 and 12 I'll drop a Harry song and when you hear the Harry song you text or WhatsApp your name and the word Harry to 083 396 96 96 I'll have a question for you and if you can get the question right you'll go through to the draw to be the winner of Sun Samba and Styles on Quarks 96 I'm dropping that Harry tune between 11 and 12 today wait till you hear it though Please wait till you hear it. Because anyone who texts in before I play the song, we, we don't take any notice of the text. Right? 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email's opinion at 96fm.ie. We will bring Lucy back at some stage over the next few months. She's, she's good fun and has a whole take on how to get children to sleep. And it is an industry uh, in which she is a, a leader in it because she's got books and all and a website. Sleepmatters.ie is her website. You can find all of her advice there. Thanks, Lucy. Speaking of children, and I mentioned my own young fellow when he was two and a half or going on three, literally everything short of putting chicken wire over the top of the cot and tying it on with cable ties to keep him in the damn thing. We thought of all those things. We did actually... Um, his 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 late granddad Eddie took the bottom out of the cot and dropped it maybe three or four inches and suspended it. Eddie was brilliant at that. Suspended it between the legs of the cot and that gave the three or four inches that he couldn't get his little foot up over the top. That lasted about ten days, but I still remember it. And he would throw everything out of the cot and his sister was just as bad, but she had different things. She preferred to take her nappy off and. Yeah, I know. Speaking of which, uh, I just must, must mention them this morning. The twins are 25 today. Uh, 25 years old, James and Gemma. So happy birthday, you two, and I will see you later. We are unbelievably proud of you both. And uh, we will see you later. There will be chocolate cake, and there might even be some bubbles. All right, so happy birthday to you. 0818 96 96 96. There's an interview in the Examiner today, or was yesterday. Own English has an interview with Hugh Cregan. Uh, he is the executive of the National Transport Authority and therefore he is the man who has the job of overseeing Bus Connects. He's doing it in Dublin and now he's hoping to deliver it in Cork and Owen's got quite an extensive interview with him in the paper but that was published then in advance of what seems to have been skin and hair flying at the council last night about Bus Connects and we've taken many calls about it here in the last few weeks about trees being knocked and the cherry trees being pulled down for example uh, gardens being compulsorily purchased one man was on to us to say by the looks of the Bus Connect he's going to have a bus stop in his kitchen it, it, it's all confusing and upsetting people and even the Taoiseach spoke out about it in Prague when he was asked a question by a reporter. So Bus Connects is coming to Cork. These uh, sustainable transport 
corridors, as they call them, or STCs, 12 of them. And it's not going down well in many parts of our city. So last night at the council, all of the Fianna Fáil councillors were going to vote against it and try to reject the plan. The whole thing got turned on its head a little bit, so there was a... What happens with these things is there's a modified motion goes through. But there was two hours of effective pillamaloo before they got something agreed and it moves on to the next stage of consultation and all of that. And we're being reassured time and time again that there'll be many, 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 many chapters in this before we have even a shovel swung uh, to put in a bus connects corridor. Councillor Colm Kelleher, of course representing Ballincolly. Colm, when we took calls from Ballincolly last week where the, the whole thing has people open arms the way it's presently drawn. Do you expect, Colm, though, that there will be significant change before a shovel is swung in anger? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And before I start, just I'd like to join you to wish your uh, son and daughter a very happy birthday, Thank James you. and Gemma, uh, 25 years old, fair play to you, <laughs> and uh, your previous caller in relation to the child making the way into the bed. Um, I'm experiencing that at the moment as well myself, so I feel, I feel people's pain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, um, do, to answer your question, do I expect that there will be radical changes to what's been initially proposed by the National Transport Authority in relation to bus connects? Uh, I hope so, um, and I would expect so. Um, we did put down, uh, the Fianna Fáil group that is, we put down a motion last night in City Council, uh, as you said, quite aptly, uh, we had two hours of Pillamaloo um, before we got to um, some form of a proposal uh, in a motion that was acceptable to the majority of Council. Now, um, and the amended uh, version uh, that went through, um, it was just a changing and tweaking of one word here and there. I think uh, some of the councillors' concerns was the word rejects, um, and that was taken out of the amended motion. Um, so, and I think that you know there may have been a misconception or maybe a possible misunderstanding in the mm. word that would would have thought that if we say we rejects bus connects, that that's it, it's done and dusted. Far from it, far from mm. the truth. Our motion stated that the, that this council rejects the present proposals as mm-hmm. announced by the national. Authority, um, and the amended one just said supports extensive revision of the proposals. So look, it, it, it's really just tweaking of um, of, of of the initial opening well, remarks. That, that, that's political posturing. People wanted to be on the exactly. right side of it when everything gets sorted out. We all know that. Exactly. No matter, no matter I, I speak of no matter what party you're in, there's a bit of that goes on. But I think that the, the people that I've spoken to on this show in the last couple of weeks all have very major concerns. Um, we've talked about John Spillane's chessy trees or chest, um, cherry trees, which looks like going to be chopped down in huge numbers. We, I spoke to one man whose neighbour is looking at the diagram and there's a bus stop in his kitchen. Like, this is going to have to change radically before anybody does anything. Completely. Um, and within our motion last night, we put down five, uh, I suppose, bullet points, um, and they weren't changed in the amended motion. Um, and I'm delighted to see that they have passed. Um, so it was in, to engage in meaningful con- uh, consultation with residents, and in, in particular those uh, who are affected by CPOs, compulsory purchase orders. Um, we also want uh, to organise a third public consultation process um, and for the NTA to hold more frequent, small, smaller and more targeted community forums to enable residents 
presidents to engage with the NTA to do exactly what you just said, that this has to change. Like, for argument's sake, in my own bailiwick here in Balancholic, um, like east uh, westbound traffic coming from the city uh, in the current proposals um, would be prohibited from travelling westward up the village, um, you know, all except, save buses, bicycles, emergency services and taxis. Everyone else will have to go through a council car park you know, um, which throws a red flag up straight away in relation to safety concerns for people, you know, getting in and out of their car parks, uh, getting in and out of the car park. Um, they're taking away uh, on-street disabled parking on the main street. Now, we have three pharmacies in the main street here in Balancholic. We have opticians, we have uh, numerous doctors. So it's seriously discommoding people. And as you said, they're putting, in one instance, a car uh, or a bus stop through uh, a fella's kitchen. Some of the maps that were used, or the majority of the maps that were used, were old, in my opinion, Google Maps. Um, in one instance in Balancholic here, uh, a proposed section of a CPO is going through a building that hasn't actually been built yet, that was granted planning permission by Cork City Council. So there's a lot of discrepancies and inaccuracies mm. In, in the initial plans. And it was said on the council floor last night that, you know, the NTA have met with people and they've said, OK, well, look, we'll give you a little appeasement here and we'll give you a little appeasement there. I, I, no member of the Fianna Fáil party uh, has had any indication yeah. uh, similar to that from the NTA. Other members have, but they may have a direct... One of the concerns direct, that people voice, you know? Colm, and they, they, they voice it very freely and very openly, and it's this. You can have all the meetings that you want. Uh, you can have them... Now, you can have them in six months' time, you can have them in 12 months' time, you can have all the meetings that you want. But there's a, there's a feeling, and we know how the NTA is an entity in itself. And there is a feeling, Colm, and I've spoken to people about it both on and off the air, who say, look, you can have all the meetings you want, but somebody somewhere has decided that this is going to happen, and that's the end of it. You know, you, you're correct in saying we can have all the meetings we want. As a local authority and as elected representative, I have no more power in this process than you do, PJ, or than the general public. Um, the elected members of Cork City Council has been taken completely, completely out of our hands. Um, even the planning authority isn't going through Cork City Council. It's going through on board Tonala, which I find, you know, kind of farcical in that in itself for the simple reason that we as elected members of Cork City Council have voted a motion of no confidence in board Tonala yeah. on two separate occasions. And you're the fellows that have to go before the public again in 2024 and stand over this. Completely, completely. And look, I launched Bus Connects as Lord Mayor. Um, I know you, know, you did. Standing next to, uh, so people, would, stand I, up, you know? people would be tackling you on a doorstep in, in Balancholy. Go, come here, you. Come here. And as, I, and as I said, you know? As I said at a council meeting last night, had I seen my plans were coming down the track, I wouldn't have stood in for that photo, you know, to be quite honest with you. Now, look, we're not against bus connects. We do need a sustainable yes. transport track. There, but there isn't a sinner. Again, this is something that comes up in the program. There's not a sinner I've spoken to on or off the air who doesn't want more and better and more efficient public transport. Absolutely. you oh. got to break and you got to break and some eggs to make an omelette. But you take the shells oh. out too. You don't leave the, full, the omelette full of shells. Completely. And I look, I think the Taoiseach did touch on it, you know, and he said we need to build uh, public and community buy-in. And it, but it you have to bring the people with you here. To bring people with us and to engage and to develop a workable design that suits everyone. All we're asking for, and I think the crux of our motion last night, was that, you know, we need a fair and balanced approach that appeases everybody. Cyclists, bus users, taxi drivers, people mm. who get into cars, 
pedestrians, everybody. It can't be one size fits all and everyone else is scattered to the four corners. But it sounds to me though, Colm, and the motion went as it went last night and and the the, the debate was heated at times. It, It does sound to me though, like realistically yourself and your 30 colleagues on the City Council are powerless to do anything about this. Oh, completely, and I'd reiterate that. You know, wheel has been can taken completely out of our hands. Now, we can shout and roar inside in the chamber, and it was mentioned last night, you know, what how effective is a motion that, you know, we'd pass a motion and it'd be sent up and it'd sit in some desk in Dublin and we'd get a generic reply, which happens from time to time. But I think what we were trying to do as a, uh, the Fianna Fáil group were trying to do last night on council um, was send a clear message to the NTA that your first round of proposals are not acceptable. And I don't think any elected member inside in that chamber last night disagrees with the point that the initial plans that have been put out for public are not acceptable. But we need to fire a warning shot across the NTA's bow as well to say that the next round of plans that you come back with in quarter one of next year, in 2023, that they are acceptable and you do listen to people's concerns. But I will say that a colleague of mine working in the NTA and he was involved in uh, Bus Connects in Dublin and to be fair to the NTA, they did uh, the initial, which I've gone to the planning stage you know, uh, in, in Dublin, um, the initial designs didn't resemble the, the, the end product. Yeah. So my only, my only fear uh, or my hope is that, you know, if it's a high stakes game of poker, the NTA have played their best hand and everything else seems to be a, clown, a climb down. And my only fear is that they have the final plan and anything, you know, you, 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 you give concessions, but I think they know what they want by the end product, you know. Okay. But we do need, we, I do need to hammer home this point, PJ. We do need to uh, have a modal shift in society, not only from a greenhouse gas effect. Oh, or listen, but there's no one arguing with that. That's the argument but that doesn't we do even need, need to, to be made. We, we, need, we need the cycle paths, we need the bus lanes, we yeah. need all that, but we, we also need them, need fellas not to have bus stops in their kitchen. Completely, 100%. And like, again, coming back to Balancholic, like, you know, to make the Main Street one way, no um, on street parking, there's two bus stops in the centre of the village. You go further up the west side of the village, um, they're taking away 60 mature trees. Um, if we decided to take away 60 mature trees in Cork City Council under an active travel scheme, there'd be blue murder. Yet the NTA can come along and propose stuff like this, and it's our shovel plant saplings to offset set it. We all know the mature tree, uh, you know, takes uh, in carbon a lot more than a than a sapling. Um, and you know, it just it, it just beggars belief in the approach. And one thing as well, like I've had residents in Ballancolic, there's one elderly gentleman with his memorial uh, bench uh, out the front of his garden to his late wife, and he's he's been on to me and he's saying, Colin, what am I going to do now if they take away my front garden? Where do you know where am I going to remember my wife? And that's just a, a microcosm of an example. Of but how that's that's the kind of simple people. humanity that people care exactly. about, and it's so important, exactly. and it has to be addressed. Colm, I'm going to leave it there because we'll be talking about this for a long time to come, I suspect. But appreciate taking a call. That's Councillor Colm Kelleher, uh, former Lord Mayor, of course, the man who signed off on this and stood in for the photograph uh, before I think realizing he was utterly powerless to do anything about the drawings as they've come down. Uh, but this interview that I'm reading in the Examiner with Hugh Cregan of the National Transport Authority, he's making a point in this. He said, ongoing dialogue is the key to solving the issues and they will sort these problems out. He says, in the case of Bus Connects Dublin, we were sent out of the first set of proposals and then the second set of proposals are completely different. It's quite a long article from the Examiner. We'll be talking about this for months to come. Speaking of buses...
Now, uh, Marion, I've never. T- it's the, it's the bus to Kinsale, is it? I've never I've never taken it, but I was delighted to see it going in there. Is it a good service? Morning. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Um, is it a good service? Um, it's a reliable hourly service, um, but it is always um, people. Anybody getting on from Cork um, really has. They're trying to get on. Well, first of all, they have to join a long queue at the very first stop, which is down a side street um, at the back of um, a homeless shelter um, at the back of the Clarion Hotel, if you know the area. Yeah. Anderson's um, Key. And, well, there it's not quite Anderson's Does Key. Does it not go from um, the bus station, no? doesn't go from the bus station, no. And it's, so it's this side street down the side of um, the Clarion yeah, you know, the, 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 know the there's a, a random stop there with no shelter, and I posted there yesterday on Twitter a, a, a picture that was sent to me from somebody standing in the queue, and it's a long, long queue, and people have to be there at least for half an hour, forty minutes, to make sure they have a chance of getting on the bus, and often people are left behind. Right. They're just left there. And then it's like, because it's an hourly service, they have to wait for an hour um, to get on again. My daughter, the reason that I was kind of up in arms about it and sent a, an, an email of complaint to Bus Aaron, um at the start, at the end of September, was because my own daughter um, was waiting for two hours. She she missed the first bus and didn't get on the second. They passed her um, down at the fire station. We didn't know. She didn't know at the time that you have to get on at the very first stop. Um, otherwise, you have no chance of getting on because basically they pass all the stops through the city because they're full at the very start. Wow. Um, and this is the same for many, many college students trying to get into Cork from Kinsale. Um, and most give up, to be honest with you, and we give up some mornings. I take my daughter into um, college and just join the queue of everybody else with one person or two people in a car sitting on the airport hill to try and get their children into college or get themselves into work, because um, I'm often going into work myself as well. Sounds to me like there needs to be a more frequent service to Kinsale. There needs to be a more frequent service, and it needs to stop servicing the airport. It's going into the airport, it's like as a shuttle bus as well. For the airport. Oh, hold on, hang on. I, but I thought the bus had its own airport. It's are the no. airport had its own bus service. No, no, it doesn't. It depends. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On the Kinsale bus to service it. Ah, here. Well, there may be another bus coming up from Cork. Um, I think there's a Ballygarvan bus as well, a two, three, five, or something. Right. That's our, but they're but they're passenger buses that are going to somewhere else. They're not dedicated to the to the city, right. or to the airport. Sorry, to the airport. Um, the airport alone could fill a bus. Well, exactly. You know, so and sometimes and the at the airport, they, they sometimes they have to p- bypass the airport because they're already full. <laughs> it's just so they, ridiculous. And, and ridiculous some poor devil standing up outside the terminal going, where's the bus? Yeah, and yeah, and so they disappear off. You know, it's like bus ready, bus due, bus due, bus due, and then it disappears, and then it's not it's not available for another hour. 
we definitely need more 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 services to conceal. So they need more services to conceal. They need more regular service, um, and they they um, they need. And the thing about it is, TJ, is that this is not the first year that this has been happening. This has been going on for years, according to people that I've been speaking to. It's they've people have complained and complained and complained, and nothing's been done about it. And they've gotten on to politicians. I was talking to Senator Tim Lombard last night, um, and he said, "I know, I've raised it." so many times and nothing is ever done and I, it took two weeks for me to get a reply from Bus Aaron um, with a generic letter that's been sent to anybody else who's complained they just they just and the poor and what I feel sorry for are the poor bus drivers who have to close the doors and are getting abuse every day of the week yeah. It's not fair on them. Cl- so Clontarf I don't know what the story is. remember Clontarf that. Clontarf Street, Fair sorry, that's it. Cl- yeah, I was trying to Clontarf remember Clontarf Street is where it leaves from. But there's, and there's yeah. no, bus, no bus shelter or anything like it. Uh, Marion, thanks. Uh, 0818 Marion's right, says this message. I have a friend who needed to get the concealed cock bus. The first one never turned up. The second one was late. He was waiting about two hours and missed his bus then from Cork City to Dublin. And it ruined the start of his weekend because he didn't get to Dublin until 11 o'clock on the Friday night when he should have been there at six. And that's from Anna. Thank you. 0818 Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Time to pick up and learn some of those Portuguese phrases for your trip to Rio. Just keep listening for those Harry hits. I'm playing more today from 12. On Cork's 96FM. I think it's time, I think it's time, says this call. I think it's time we dropped the old-fashioned idea that a bus from Mayfield has to go to Bishopstown after stopping off in the city centre. You're actually forcing the bus through heavy traffic for no reason at all, and there's very little need to go all the way through. Most people will just be going to town. There should also be a very heavy enforcement of parking rules around schools. If you look anywhere, you'll see the footpaths destroyed from people mounting the footpaths near the schools. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Mags Tobin, good morning to you, and I'm so sorry to read and to hear about your, your situation. Hi, Peter. Tell me about Giles. Um, on the 29th of July, he was found floating face down in the water in Fatia. He was um, he was actually living there for twelve months in in Crete. Yes, but um, he was dragged out of the water and they did CPR on the beach for twenty minutes waiting for the ambulance. So mm-hmm. they think that he was without oxygen for thirty two minutes. Right. So he was he was brought to um, the local hospital, but they they didn't have the facilities there, so they had to did no air ambulance. So they brought him to our helicopter and things. So to go down to the mountains, you know, by ambulance, two and a half hour drive. Wow. So they, um, he was in life support there. He was um, in the ICU there. He was there for six weeks. It's in Heraklion. He's now in Heraklion, yeah. yeah. He is now out of ICU. He is in a normal ward there for the last four weeks. Yeah. But his situation now is 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 not good. He's in a vegetative state. Yeah. He, um, he can open one eye sometimes he can open one eye and he can move his mouth a bit but he keeps getting seizures 
know, epileptic fits. He's on um, four different lots of antibiotics now at the moment because he's he's a urinary tract infection now since yesterday. He keeps getting infection after infection. You know, it's just it's a, it's terrible to see to see. Him. We were over twice. We were over when it happened first. We were yeah. there for twelve days. Yeah, and we. We're, we're just back or back with a week now, back since last Monday. So we think we'll have to go back over again because at the moment it's not looking good. Do you yeah. know, he's just, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. He's 41. It's terrible. Very young man. 41, yeah. You think yeah. he got a stroke while he was swimming? Is that it, Max? It, yes, it, 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 he, well, they said he didn't drown because there was no water in his lungs. His mouth was shut tight. They said that. Either he um, had a stroke or an elliptic fit, which really never had any of these problems before, you know? I know. Yeah. So they but see, they can't tell you see, because there's so much damage done to the brain yeah. from all the seizures and the lack of oxygen that they can't tell. God. No, 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 so, no, um, no doubt they're doing their absolute best. They are, they're brilliant over there, and in fairness, yeah. they actually are brilliant. Yeah. We yeah. just want to get them home, you know, to what, what, is, what time he's left. I know. You said you were over there. No. You probably spend hours and hours yeah. and hours with him. Yeah. Did yeah. he? And you said that he can. He opens an eye. Does he have any notion that you're there, Max? No, 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 no. Nothing at all. There's no brain activity. No. None. He was too long with that. He was too long with that oxygen. He was thirty-two minutes. You know. That's so sad. They reckon he was 12, 12 minutes in the water. We don't know how they know that. Like, because you see, when he was floating down, you see the thought he was snorkeling. Do you know? And then there's a child actually that found him. It would have been July. Child, he's thousands of people. Uh, 29. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah. Thousands of people. Hundreds on the beach. Like, we, we, we can't understand. No. We actually went down to where it happened. So. Do you know, we, we just we couldn't understand how it happened. So you're trying to get him mm-hmm. home just yeah. so you can put him into a hospital put, here. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what time is it? We don't know. He don't have, we, at the moment, no. He actually had a very bad weekend. He um sees worse weekend he had. The doctors they can't say, but he said there's not there's not a whole lot left in him with all the infections. They said that he could eventually get sepsis and his organs have failed and that is you know. I know. They said first when we were over that he actually couldn't travel with the infections. Yeah. But now that was on the Tuesday, but we went down then to City where he lived. We were down there for two days because he packed up his apartment and that. And we came back on the Thursday and they said, look, there's no more. They, they can do over for him, take him home. But he has to go by air ambulance and doctor and nurse and that. Yeah. So we have to fund that ourselves, you know, which is crazy. Has he any insurance assistance for that or anything no. Like that? No. No, 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 no. The hospital all right is over because that's that's sorted, the hospital. hospital. In, 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 yeah, in, in Heracle, that's sorted, that's okay. Yeah. Now there's a GoFundMe going, which has just over seventeen thousand in it. Have you yeah. had any estimates yeah. as to what an air ambulance operation might cost? Yeah, we're actually we're actually pricing them at there at the moment, and there's the cheapest one now is it's actually forty two euro. It's in Belfast, but that's not ambulance transfers. That's just the flight. Just. You know, it's not ambulance ambulance to flight. It's not ambulance to. Air ambulance, or it's not, you know, drop off in Cork, we'll say. I you to supply your own ambulance, you know. Okay. I, I, and I there's you. there's one actually, all right, um, it's 48,900, 40, 49,000, you could say. They actually do the whole lot, everything, you know. 
So you discussed at one point, I think, turning off his life support. We we asked when we were over there the first time, and they said that they can't because his heart is still beating. Oh, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't like to live the way he is. You know, he's know. he's a vegetable. You know. I know. <clears throat> we don't. We don't want him living that. I know. We, I'm, I'm sorry. We don't want him like that either. You know. This is this is so, you know, it's all right. You never did that. You know, you know, it was always good. You know. Yeah, a plaster you know, and a snooker player, a decent snooker yeah, player. Yeah, great there. Yeah, plaster, very good job. Yeah, it always worked. Was he working out yeah. there? He was. He wasn't actually. You know, I tell you now, he um, he was in England for nearly five years, and he came home when you know COVID. Mm. And he was here for I think it's around twelve months or something, and then he was after saving up his money, and he went over there. He was already over there in the holidays before, but his friend, his friend lives over there. And um, he liked it over there, so he decided to go over. He was actually coming home on the 7th of September. Seamus picked him up in the airport. Mm. He's just snapping them neck. There, now, I don't know if this has either occurred to you or if you've checked it out. There are such things as the Colin Bell Repatriation Fund. Yeah. We were on, yeah, we were on to them. But I think because he's that, um, because he's still alive, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that. I thought yeah. that. Yeah, they just sort of repatriate the bodies, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 need yeah. to get the funds in place to get him yeah. home. Yeah. At the, well, at the moment there now, this I don't know about the rest of the week now, but at this particular moment in time, he's not actually fit to fly. We probably have to go over again because we don't think he last. How quickly can you get there if you have to? Well, it's easy. You have to take two flights. You can't just fly straight there. We yeah. we prefer to fly from Cork. It's easier for us to go from Cork. And we go from Cork then to Manchester, Manchester then to directly in Edinburgh. I see. I see. You know, it's it's nearly nearly a full day kind of travelling, really. Oh, I imagine. Because it's, it's a good you know, it's a good four hours to Heracli and like it is. It is. Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the hospital, so by, are you in contact with the hospital? Are they in contact? Oh, with every day. Right. Every minute of the day. Every and, day, yeah. And, yeah. and, I, and I know yeah. that they're they're brilliant with language and stuff. They've got all that sorted they, for you. They're they? actually, actually, with some of the doctors have very good English. Good, good. At first, now it was hard, you know, to kind of understand them. But they know now when I ring, like, you know, they get a good speaking English doctor onto me, you know. And and they'll talk to you when you ring, will they? Oh, yeah. They, oh, they, they put the cards on the table. We were in, they called us into the office there now last week and we were over. Mm. And they just said, look, there's, they don't think it's not he, he wouldn't like to be living like that and it's not he's not going to last that, that much you know yes. so I was seeing him the way he is like you know he was always so active and everything just lying in the bed and, and, the, and he's not even fit to fly at the moment no I'd say maybe maybe by the weekend he might be now again see the infections you see sure with this new this new urinary tract infection now again like he had in that last week yeah you know, this is a new one now again. It keeps getting just one after another. It keeps getting infections. Do you know? I can't oh. comprehend what it must be. I'm yeah. a parent. I'm a parent myself. It's I, yeah. I, I've adult children. It's their birthday today. Yeah. I can't yeah. comprehend, Max, what you're going through. Yeah. I just can't, yeah. girl. It's his birthday actually in the twenties, forty two, oh. of this month. Do you know? It's true, like. 
That's so, so hard. Yeah, oh. sorry, especially when he's so far away, you know? I know. To be different, you know, if he was in Cork now, he'd just hop on the bus and go out with your car and go up, you know? And that's the thing, if he was here, yeah, you could spend yeah. every minute you want to with him. Yeah, and have family could as well, like, do you know what I mean? No. Say turns up and see him all the, all the time, do you know what I mean? But at the moment, it's just so far away. We've we've shared the GoFundMe on our Twitter, and I think a lot of people are yeah, very, good, very yeah. taken by it. Look, it's such a, it's so sad. Um, and I know I've spoken to the people at Colin Bell before, and and I thought that they might have, but they don't. It's only if a person has died yeah. that they that, that yeah. they step in. Seventeen thousand three hundred there now. Yes, yeah, like let me yeah. refresh the yeah. page for a second. Just mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. seventeen thousand three hundred. It would be wonderful if you could raise some of the money. Yeah. Any assistance available from the Department of Foreign Affairs, Max? No, no, we have to be on to them. They told us it was our problem. Like, you know, in other words, that we have to raise the money. Minister Coveney. Yeah, my able, sister was actually on to them. But he was actually away. He was, well, she sent an email, but he was actually away for a few days, I think. Right. There's a lot of, a lot of um, people now in town are doing fundraising and that, you know. Yes. You know, they did um, Miles for Giles and there was a great girl there. There must be some way. Town should do that, like, you know what I mean? There must be some way that the, 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 the minister, you know? the minister Coveney, as a Corkman, must have something yeah. he could do here, or someone he could talk yeah. to, or something he could sort out. Mags, my heart is breaking for you, girl. I've no other words to say to you. We'll, we'll, we, you know what we'll do? We'll, 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 we'll knock on Miss Minister Coveney's door and see if we can um, yeah. get some idea of what he might be able to do. All right. If anything. Yes, yeah, thanks very much. All right, yeah. You take care of yourself. All right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you let's let's hope you get your precious son home. It's such a sad story. 0818 96 96 96. We have shared the GoFundMe on our Twitter. It's to get Giles home. That's so, so sad. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork entertainment. Irish rockers Thumper are among the leading lights of the booming guitar scene in the country at the moment. A powerful six-piece featuring two drummers, Thumper comes to Cypress Avenue this Wednesday night with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. John Spillane is set to release his new album, In Another Light, recorded live with the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra on Friday this week week. The album features a mix of John's classics down through the years and will be followed by a traditional Everyman Theatre concert show later in December. Access all areas. If you have a gig, exhibition or any entertainment news coming up in the next few weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas on AAA at 96FM.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Avril was in touch from Trend Micro, a friend of the show regularly on with us to do with internet safety I'm hosting an internet safety talk she says for parents tonight at half past seven with Irish sign language provided it's free so can you let people know just google search trend micro internet safety for parents we have a link as well trendmicro.com forward slash internet safety so if you're interested in that if you're a parent and interested in the internet safety of your kids or you have queries Avril is hosting that from Trend Micro tonight with Irish Sign Language if you should need to use it it's at 7.30 and it's free a couple of weeks ago 
Eamon Ryan or some other minister was, ta- I think it was Eamon Ryan, was talking about, you know, energy, saving energy and saving electricity in particular by running appliances late at night on lower tariffs, which sounds like a plan until you realise that every fire officer in the country put their head in their hands and said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't put these things on when you're in bed. Whatever you do. And electricians have now joined that, including uh, Ken O'Connell. Ken, I saw your video the other day. These things generate an awful lot of heat, use an awful lot of electricity, and they need to be monitored. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, was, I actually didn't hear Eamon Rain talking about it now, but I've heard a few money-saving experts on a few radio stations advising it. And like, it, as you said, the fire brigade are constantly warning against running, especially the main ones, PJ, your washing machine, your tumble dryer and your dishwasher, not to run them when you're not in the house or when you're inside in bed because they are susceptible to fire, do you know? Yeah, yeah. the dishwasher is one that... A lot of people have the habit of just turning it on as the last person is heading up the stairs to bed. You'd advise against? I'd advise against it. I had a customer last year in Ballancolic PJ who did the exact same. She went off up to bed with her book and um, turned on the dishwasher before she went up. And a few minutes later, she got a smell of smoke. Long story short, she came down the stairs and the dishwasher on fire. And now the house didn't, the house wasn't taken fully in the fire. They got to it quickly. Thank God the Ballancolic Fire Brigade got out to her. But they were out of their house for the guts of a year with smoke damage and this and that and getting the house repaired. Um, they're just they're just dangerous. And I'm not I know people are trying to save money at the moment, PJ. I understand that and I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying just be very, very careful, you know, when you're when you're using them, you know. I suppose sure, if, like, if, if, if a dishwasher is going to develop a fault or a dryer or a washing machine, they're just as likely to do it during the day as they are in the middle of the night. Absolutely, but at least if you're home, you can do something about it. Yeah. I made that video, I put it up there, and there's lo- if you look in all the comments, there's loads of people giving their stories about, you know, yeah. houses going on fire in the middle of the night and things, brand new machines after a couple of months old and catching fire and things. So just not trying to scare people, just be very careful. Just make sure you have good working smoke alarms if you are going off to bed and leaving these machines running because they are, they are just susceptible to fire. PJ, I put up there with my video a picture of tweets that... Dublin Fire Brigade sent out and they're advising the exact same thing not to leave them running when you're not at home and not to run them while you're in bed yeah well certainly not yeah it, and that is a bad habit I know in my house that we decided recently we better listen to people like your good self we would have been ones who would yeah. that dishwasher is full arrow through in the tablet and off to bed not advising I know, I know. best to do it first thing when you get up is that it I, I think so I think so PJ look each to their own, but from yeah. what I've seen from experience, I've reworked plenty of hoses that caught on fire and yeah. had to rewear rooms that went on fire from these machines. It happens. It happens quite a bit more than people would think. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, I just, and Ken, I just what's the reason? Is it hearing. that they just that they consume so much juice that it's a risk? Yeah, they generate a lot of heat. Yeah, and anything that generates a lot of heat is liable to catch fire. Again, the quality. You'd you'd question the the build quality of a lot of these machines as well. Things don't last as long as what they used to no. last before. Um, they really don't. The, uh, tumble dryers, you know, the lint that builds up in tumble dryers, like if they're not cleaned out regularly, that's a massive fire risk. You know, it's just anything with a heating element, PJ, in your house, you know, they're the things that consume a lot of electricity, but they're also the things that, you know, can be dangerous, you know. Uh, wait, but wait. especially those three machines, I'd be 
Well, I'll well, have another minute or so with you. Any ideas, yep. any yep. quick ideas for saving money on, elect- on, on electrics? Uh, look, all the usual things, PJ, like if you have an immersion, keep an eye on how often you have it on. Change your lighting to all LED bulbs. Um, your ovens, I saw it from there recently, just turn your oven off five minutes before your the timer's up and it, you know, save that few bob. Look, mm. if things aren't, and switch things off, PJ. It's as simple as that. Just switch things off, plug things out, or switch them off completely. You don't need them, you know. Mm. Um, we tend to leave things like the skybox on, 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 on standby all the time, but that is using juice. It is only a small bit now, but they are all using using juice light. But just simple things, just lights around the house, just turn off your lights. If you have electric showers, you know, kids and teenagers are deadly for, you know, 15, 20 minute showers. That yeah. that eats your electricity, you know, it's a big yeah. cost, you know. And everyone's trying to mind the pennies, you know, at the moment. Just just please be careful of those things, PJ. We don't want another tragedy. There's enough of tragedy happening in our country. We just don't, you know, just please be careful is all I'm saying. There's people giving this advice who have no experience. They haven't been the people who've gone out to these houses right. when disaster strikes. I'm saying it, I've seen it. The fire brigade see it a hell of a lot more than me. They're advising the exact same thing. Just please, please be careful oh. with them, you know. All right, Ken, good advice from, from one who knows. Electricians like Ken, do not run the dryer during the night. Do not run the washing machine during the night. Do not run the dishwasher during the night. Do not run any of them when you're out of the house. Always make sure you're there. Because like Ken says, he's rewired far too many places. Where one of these things just went bang. Literally went bang and went up and up and smoke and takes your house with it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And please, to energy saving and money saving experts, would you ever check with an electrician or a fire officer before you advise on these things? Courts 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it was. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we've had a couple of calls. Uh, people suggesting that the government should play at least some part in getting that lad home. Uh, Jonathan Tobin um, yeah, his mum talking to me a while ago they've raised about 17,000 on their <clears throat> GoFundMe at this stage uh, but they're looking at a multiple of that two or three times that at least two times that anyway to bring the chap home um, we have sent an email to the Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney, he's also a Minister for Defence, isn't he? So maybe the Army, maybe the Department of Foreign Affairs, maybe something.
could be done here. We've had a there may there may be nothing Simon Coveney can do, but he's a Corkman. Jonathan's a Corkman. His mum is distressed and upset. They don't know even if he'll live out the week. He's very very sick again, and he's not fit to fly today, even if they had the money to fly him. So we've 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 sent it to the minister. And we'll see if anything comes back. That's the best that we can do here. 0818969696 is the number. Text to WhatsApp is 0833969696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Best way always to contact us outside of airtime, as it were, when we're off the air. Opinion at 96fm.ie. Always the best way to get in touch with us. And we will get back to you on buses. And the problems with bus routes and bus connect and all of that. I'll come back to them, actually. I'll come back to those. I want to go to... Uh, oh, there's another one from email to do with Jonathan. And I'll come back to that. But I want to talk to Etienne, who's visiting Cork at the moment and will be here for about another week and a bit. Because, Etienne, your, your story is fascinating and all too familiar because you you were born here, to the best of your knowledge, and then taken to South Africa at the age of four or five where you grew up and you're trying to find and trace your, your origins. Good morning, Etienne. Good morning, PJ. Lovely to talk. And thank you for, yeah, um, thank you for the airtime that you're giving me. And while I'm on there, I would actually like, like to thank the people of Cork City for their generosity and their open-heartedness. Um, the stories I was told about the people of Cork are actually true. Okay. Now, you're 52 years old, and what do you know about your origins? Like when you were born, you know, when you were born, but where you were born and all of that. What do you know? Um, PJ, I was told by my, my mother who passed away two years back that I was born in the infirmary. So it was always bothering me, the infirmary, the infirmary, because nobody ever told me or gave me any background information of my previous, or let's say my, my, my young childhood life. And when I asked them, they was usually shut down and say, you asked too many questions. And I left it at that until she passed away and she handed me some documents. And during May this year, I just decided, let me take the leap of faith, get on an aircraft and come over to Ireland. And I came here and I spent three weeks here. And then I went back and I started perusing all the documentation and I approached my father and that's what I said to him, explain to me, you said I was born, give me all the circumstances. And he told me I was born at home, but there's no detail of my birth. As far as I look back home as well, I don't get any detail except a few odd documentation that was given to me. Do you have a birth certificate, Etienne? I've got a birth certificate and I've got a baptist certificate, okay. but the, the the birth certificate has got a date on it and the baptism certificate has got no entry into it. There's no dates. So I've got, I had this inclination that the birth certificate was like just a normal paper type of document. And I actually confronted him and said to him, um, let's be honest, I'm an old man already. You are old man, you in your 70s. Um, what's going on here? Sure. Um, I, was I, I adopted you? May yeah. I ask? May I ask the, the birth certificate? Does it give a, a place of birth or a date of registration or a place of registration? It, it gives a place of registration to Utenag, um Port Elizabeth. Now, if you go back into the history of South Africa, um, all the way back, um, 
the South Africans, a lot of the people staying in that area were mostly Irish, um, a part of the 1820 Irish settlers that was moved or were transplanted to South Africa. So the whole area where I come from... was registered in South Africa, yeah? Yeah, they say my birth is registered in South Africa, but there's about four or five years of, let's call it, um, uncertainty. Nobody can tell me. Because actually, I, I confronted him and I said to him, I've got pictures where you say me and my sibling, we are here apart. But on the picture, I'm standing next to my grandmother, but already a, a boy of the age four or five. Sure. I say to him, what happened? Where was I this time? No, he doesn't know. I say, but you, my father, you should know where I was. <laughs> yeah. So how are you making the connection with Cork? Because you, you, you really, your sister attended school here, and I think you know, you know that your grandparents came from Cove and from the city, yes? That's correct. Yes. Um, I, I directly sat with her before before uh, passing. We sat and we had a lot of discussions, and I said to her, "Where does where's grandfather from? Where's the where's that family tie?" And he said, "The family tie comes back to Cove, and to Cork City." Okay. And I said to her, "But what did he do?" And she said, "By trade, he was a boilermaker, um, and he was working in the railway at that stage." Okay. And I said, "But his brothers?" And he says, "No, the whole family were actually boilermakers." So I started doing a bit of my own investigations and I went on the Irish genealogy line and some of the pictures that I managed to get from the genealogy um, history of Ireland. And I look at these pictures, I say, but these people, I know them. And she gave me a whole pile of photographs, old photographs. And as I went paging through the photographs, I said, but I know these people. And when I started connecting their faces to the photographs, I actually started building the little blocks. And when was it? Two weeks back, when I arrived, I was sitting here at the bottom close to the passport office in Cork City. And I just said, let me take a walk towards Douglas. And I just took a walk of faith. And as I walked into Douglas, I got onto the old um, Blackrock Road. And something just drew me to to the left-hand side. And I went into the, the, the now general hospital. I said, this was a hospital, but where can I find the infirmary? And she looked at me and says, why are you looking for the infirmary? I said, because my mom told me I was born in the infirmary. Of we, we and did, that's why I'm in court. We did have a hospital, um, in fact, it's still there, called, yeah. at the time it was called the South Infirmary, and now it's called the that's South it. Infirmary Victoria University Hospital. So that, and, and they had maternity units there. So that could be it. Yeah. And, and that's when I started making the, the, the connections, and I went through all the photo, photos, and I started looking at the photos, the emblems, because um, I got intrigued. So I started delving deeper into the story. And when I looked at the blazer of my sister, I saw on the blazer, I saw the, the emblem. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I noted the dots and I said, do you know what? I have seen this. So I went back and I walk, walked apart, um, up to Shannon Hill. And as I went past and I said, but I took a picture of this when I was here in May and I looked at the emblem of St. Mary's. And I said, but that's the same emblem she's got on her, on her, on her jacket. And I still remembered before coming here, she said to me, she gave me all this, this, let's say documentations and IDs, all the documentation that I had, I had with me carrying it May year, never knewing it until I went and sat down. And when I'm now here again, sitting and I started placing all of it out on the table. And I looked at the blaze and I said, but this isn't Mary's. And she told me she was in a, a, a Catholic school and 
then I started make, making the connections because her last words was, she said to me, I'm giving this to you because you know what to do with it. And that was a, a words that she told me sure. before parking. And what color is the what color is the is the blazer, Etienne? The blazer, I can't see the color of the blazer because the blazer is a black and white photo. Okay. So I'm not hundred percent sure. So that photograph must have been taken in the early um JP, I think it must have been taken in the early through nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. Right, okay. So I don't think they had color at that stage. No, they wouldn't have. No, because do, do you have anywhere in your possession a document, Etienne, that can Etienne that connects you in any way to Cork? Uh, at this stage, I've got no documentation that actually definitively prove I'm from Cork. So, at the meantime, the generosity of a lot of the listeners actually, I've got people that came on board and is helping me in this investigations. Because for for one person, it's quite difficult to run around the city. Um, because I walked out as far as Black Rock and to the, I follow the routes that, it might sound funny to the listeners, that I walk routes that a normal tourist will not walk. And I said that one stage, I said, but I've been here, I recognize the buildings. And sure. for me, it's strange. For me, at, if they say I was not born here, how will I recognize a building if I wasn't here? Yeah. And most of the buildings I went, it's, and I, and I looked and I said, but how I remember this building that I've attended in this building. <laughs> it sounds funny. You know, I understand where you're going. You you say that you know or you have a good idea who your grandparents were. Have you had any success in locating, say, birth certificates for them? I've, I've got baptism certificates. I've Actually, there were some of the documents that was handed down to me. And we are following now. The one that I've got is a paper copy and the names that I've named in my article that went out. Those names actually came up again and we are tracing it all the way back now. And at this stage, even the addresses of some of the, the, the persons that were staying in South Africa was actually some of the addresses that I also was at. So yeah. um, the address no, where no, I was registered for birth. Yeah, because I'm thinking sorry. to myself, I, I know I, I've done a little bit of this on an amateur basis. I was at a, a an adoption advocate and still am for many years and have helped people with tracing and tried to. So if you can get all the birth certificates uh, that relate to your grandparents, you can do things like trace whether they had siblings and all that kind of thing. You And you might find out whether you have some very elderly grand-aunts or anything like that um, to find. You just need to, you, you just need to find something that, that pins you by way of a document to Cork. Yeah, th- that, that's the main aim that we are working towards now. At this stage, we've got some a document that actually the one name was pinned down towards Dublin side. Yeah, it's one of the one of as a parish document of uh, a registration of birth and baptism of one yeah. of my great grandfathers, and it seems they were nine siblings. Yeah. Um, so when I when I attended the the birth and marriage registration office down here in Cork City in Adelaide Street. They also asked me, I've got the name, I've got in, I've got some, let's call documentation. They would like to know the cinema. The problem is I've got one in nine chances to correct, to, to, to pinpoint the correct one. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. The yeah. thing is yeah. as well, okay, that you possibly, I'm, something that strikes me as a bit odd here. You, your understanding is that you were born here in, in and then moved to South Africa when you were four 
four or five. It, it's, it strikes me, Etienne, that you must have an Irish original birth cert if you were actually born here. I'm, I think there's, I don't think, I'm positive there's one year. Um, same with, with my mom. I've got, when I compare the pictures between my my mom that I was raised with, and I put a picture of me next to it, uh, when I spoke, I spoke to the one investigative person that's helping me. It's as if it's a splitting image, the two of us. Yes. And even my, even my, um, the people back in South Africa that knows me, when I put the two pictures, they say, who's that? Yeah. I say, have, it's my mother. They say, no, it's your sister. <laughs> do you have your mother's birth certificate? Um, she's got a birth certificate that was registered as well in South Africa, but they, at that stage it was prior to 19, um, before South Africa becoming a republic, they were actually still uh, the Union of South Africa. So right. that means they were still under 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 the throne of the UK. Okay. No, because it's uh, I, I, maybe I should have asked you this. Your parents were your parents South African or Irish, Etienne? I believe, and I fully believe, my parents was Irish. Why I'm, why I'm stating that is while we in the house, usually um, I always ask the question for for my mom. I say to her, "Why do they treat me and you different than the rest of us?" And she always told me, "I must keep quiet." She says, don't make waves. The people are good to us. I say, what do you mean they're good to us? Um, it's not a point of being good to us. It's being treated fair and being treated like a human being. And it might sound, sound, it might sound funny because I said that one day to a certain individual, I say, it's not good growing up and you need to sit in the kitchen on the floor and eat like a dog. I said, I'm not a dog. And I went the one day into the house and I said, I'm not a dog. Why must I eat in the kitchen on the floor? I'm a human being. I understand. You say your sister, you know that she went to school in Cork. She would yeah. have a birth certificate. That's correct. Um, I've got some names and we are trying to follow it. The, I think the main concern is if she was, and up until till towards the end, she was still not practicing, but she was from Roman Catholic. So it will be to get the necessary authorization to follow the Irish. I don't want to break any laws or any step on any code. Follow the, follow the correct procedure to get to that. Yeah. Um, that's okay. There's a link between the photo she gave me and there is a link with, I'm almost 100% certain with St. Mary's because I was told she was in the Dominican uh, church. And the same church also opened up in Utenag, Port Elizabeth, Eastern Cape. Okay. At that stage, we were called Queens County or okay. Queens Country because the whole Eastern Cape area was area for Irish settlers. Sure. And I made, I connected and I said, but if she was in St. Dominique's and she attend, she came over to South Africa, she, she would have been about the age of 17, 18 when she finished, I think, middle school year. And then we went over. I see. I've got that inclination because the pictures although it's black and white the emblem is the same so yeah. I know St. Dominic's also opened schools in Eastern Cape I think, was a, one. I think we had a St. Dominic's yeah. in Cork as well Yeah, correct. Yeah. now you're around until the 20th of October and you're asking anybody who who thinks that they might you might sound familiar to them or that your parents might sound familiar to them um, to to um, to get in touch you, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm not yet. Um, like I said to one person that I spoke with, I'm not yet to, 
to step on toes or to bring out the war bat. And I'm actually just here to get my passage back home. Sure. You, um, hang on. And, yeah. you believe that, of course, you see, you, you believe that your parents actually were, that you can find who they were. You should be able yeah. to trace them in public documents. You really should, you know. Yeah, correct. We're going through public documents at this stage. It's, um, I know it's going to take me a while. So, although I'm on a, uh, currently on a South African passport, uh, I said I, I will do anything actually at this stage to extend my stay with, let's say, the help of the yeah. authorities and to follow the correct procedures while I'm busy with this um, yeah. to, get, to get where I need to get. Like I said, um, I was brought up and I spoke to the one lady actually was assisting me. I was brought up with all the principles of the Irish and believe it or not, with my Dutch accent as well, I always, I've got a lot of the sayings and I do practice the same. And I think that was, was so easy for me to fit in in Cork and in Ireland in general, because I travel as well from Dublin. And I also was there in the inner city and I came down to Cork. And from the first day I arrived there, I actually said, I'm home. It's as yeah. if something had been lifted from me. Um, and everybody, when they approach me, Yes, I look different, but I think when I start talking to them and I start relating with them, I think they they understand that, yeah, it, it can be possible one of one of us, because I was like I said, my sister mother taught me all the the small stuff about the Irish. Um, I'm a South African, but I can cook as well Irish meals. She taught me how to bake the traditional breads and stuff, and. That that's who I am. And I said to you, but why would you invest all this effort and time in me? What were you trying to say to me? And when she passed, it actually came to life and said to her, because I always said to her, you know I do not belong here. I should be home. Sure, sure, and she sure. always said to me, leave it, leave it, leave it. Now she's passed on. I'm on my own in South Africa. I've got, let's say, no, nothing to go back to, if I can call it like that, meaning I've got no... Um, physical houses, cars, yeah. anything keeping me there. I left everything, yeah. I sold everything, and I came over. I'm, I'm, That's how passionate I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, Etienne, just what, from what you tell me here, a lot hinges here, just reading over and listening, a lot hinges on getting your sister's original Irish birth certificate. A lot hinges That's, on that. Yeah, and my grandfather's. Yeah. Well, not even that. Your sister's the key. She's the key. If yeah, you yeah. can get your sister's original Irish birth cert, that will contain obviously a lot of information of great value to you. That's what you need to do. Okay. That's what you need to do. Etienne, I'm going to leave it there. If anyone wants to help you, yeah. and, um, they can email you and we'll give them the email address. Someone here is suggesting have you taken a DNA test? And if so, what results showed for where you are in the world? I think you've. You've got a lot of information that ties you to Cork. You definitely do need to get your hands on your sister's birth cert. Uh, that's correct. And one of the one of the steps that we are going to follow is I'm I'm going to be doing a DNA test to get myself also then registered on the DNA um, ancestor database because before coming here as one of the one of the um, documents that I filled in in South Africa because back in South Africa as well what I do is I did donate blood. Because um, while I was there, it was established I've got a rare um, 
blood condition that's only endemic to the citizens of Ireland. And so I'm just waiting for that results as well. And then I'm going to go for my DNA test. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, Edgy, I'd love to stay in touch with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but definitely the key, and I'm just going on just what little experience I have, which is probably slightly more than other people who might have interviewed you. You need to get that birth cert. That's no, for sure. That's the key. That's the key. Etienne, I wish you well. Etienne Van Vyck. Um, it's a fascinating story. Uh, he was born in Cork and brought to South Africa at the age of four and five. Um, he believes that the woman who raised him as his mother was actually his older sister. He needs to get her Irish birth cert. That'll have all the answers. 0818 96 96 96. Turn all the way up. Or it doesn't really suck. Straight to the dance floor. Or totally ignore. Top of your playlist. Or will never be missed. Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96 FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey and the cash could be yours. Go to 96 fm.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. Courts 96fm. Back to that. I'm just, people know me long enough. I'm fascinated by Etienne's story. I'd really love to get that birth cert, that birth cert for his sister. That's got an awful lot in it if you can get that on buses um, PJ if there were more buses and there were more dependable more students could stay at home and there'd be fewer cars coming into the city Peter or PJ I have a masters in cop on and a PhD in common sense I will lie down in front of a bulldozer if these clowns think they're going to take away some of my front garden that's from Patrick on Boring Manor Road. Well, here's hoping it won't come to that, Patrick, or we might have to broadcast the show from your garden. <laughs> I asked the driver once why there weren't more buses to accommodate all the passengers being left behind. The driver just said to me to email support since they don't listen to the drivers. I got a lazy copy and paste reply three weeks later. It's a disgrace, says Luke from Kinsale. And on Bus Connects... This is the listener's comment, not mine, okay? Green Party coming up with an idea without researching it. How surprising. Alex is on three, but children Hello. sleeping. How are you? Hi, not too bad. Good. You didn't sleep for a long time. Oh, about a year and a half to two years. Oh, really? With this one and a year with the previous. What happened? Uh, with the first fellow. We, he just never slept. We tried every routine. And then when we moved house and his new bedroom, the first night there, he slept. Nice. The second fella, he just never slept. We did everything under the sun. We just, we tried changing routines. We tried changing meal patterns. We, we did everything that we heard you suggest and nothing worked. We, I'm trying to think of everything. In the end, we just moved the double bed into his bedroom and we would go in lie with him until he fell asleep and then go back up and we took turns so I'd do it for what, two or three nights my wife would do it for two or three nights and then if he woke up in the middle of the night we'd go back and nothing worked then during the summer I got COVID and um, I isolated in our room 
she we moved the small fella in with the big fella. My wife went into his room, and he slept. Right. He just once his big brother was up over in the top bunk, he was on the bottom, and he just started sleeping. We'd have the odd night where he'd wake up in the middle, but it was grand. Right. So and just moving big brother in. Yep. So whenever everything went back to normal, we just left them in together, and he slept nearly every night for the last six months. Great. And can you even, or could you even remember at that stage what a full night's sleep felt like? No, it was glorious. Well, occasionally, because I still got them, you know, every couple of nights because my wife would take the other shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was glorious. <laughs> I'm never getting out of this bed again. <laughs> yeah, well, we've another one on the way, so we'll see how, how oh, well that looks like. Oh, you're a glutton for punishment. How, how old are the first two now? Uh, seven and two and a half. Oh, crikey. Okay, seven and two and a half. And you're going to have all my... Good luck with that, Alex. Thanks very much. <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of advice, my friend. The first 25 years are the hardest. Oh, jeez, thanks. <laughs> I always say that. Cheers, man. Thanks, Alex, for the call. 0818 96 96 96. They tried everything. And then one night they put him in with his big brother and... That was the end of it. 0818969696, a bunch of stuff. If this man is certain that his parents' sister was born in Cork, he can look at the census records. Yes, census records for Cork could be interesting. People listening to Mags talking about her son, Jonathan. PJ, listening to that poor mother about her son, it's heartbreaking. It's shocking our government won't do anything to help to go out of their way to help others who need to get here. Please, PJ, can you knock on doors? I'll donate myself, but you have the know-how. Please try to help her so she can be with her son, even if it's just to hold his hand and be next to him. Thank you. Well, as I said, we have sent an email to the office of Minister Simon Coveney and we will see what, if anything, comes back. Absolutely heartbroken listening to that woman on air. The government should bring him home. Bernie says Simon Coveney can spend money bringing Ukrainians into Ireland but needs to bring home that poor woman's son. There's lots more in there to do with that as well. It's just been a, quite a busy morning everywhere. On the buses, I totally agree with the woman from the, about the Kinsale bus. This was, was it Maureen. Uh, it's gone on for years. The airport bus service is a joke and embarrassing to the people of Cork when any tourists come. And don't get me started on the leap card. You can't top it up at the bus station. I know. But you can top up by leap card off your phone now. So at least you couldn't do that for a long time. You can now top it up off your phone. Tom was on. He says, PJ, we're demented. Demented from traffic congestion on Gerald Griffin Street. We've been battling for years to get the issue sorted. Have you ever travelled down there? It's always busy. We need help. The congestion is constant. None of the councillors seem to want to know. That's from Tom. And the last one in this batch is on Chrysler, where the first funeral is underway. The funeral of that beautiful girl, Jessica, whose picture is on the front page of the Irish son, Jessica Gallagher. She'd qualified as a fashion designer and she had landed herself a super job in Belfast, where she was due to start this week. And she'd was in Chrysler to have a celebration dinner with her boyfriend and they were in that apartment block behind the petrol station and we know the rest. Um, But Claire said what hit me is the child who was buying the birthday cake 
for her mother. This was little Shauna. The mother lost two people on her birthday or around her birthday. Impossible to comprehend how this whole thing has hit us all. Isn't it just Claire? Thanks. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Talking earlier in the show with Paul McElduff, the co-owner of Brunch and Delhi, which is closing down in Yall, the latest victim of the cost of living crisis. And as we've been hearing, they're not the only ones feeling the pinch. Recently, a councillor, Sean O'Donovan, who's a publican in, in West Cork. You've been making similar warnings, Sean. Uh, you you have a, a, a pub yourself in Bandon, I believe, and things are very tough all round. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, I actually have, it's in Crosshaven, I have the okay, pub. Okay, beg your pardon. It, yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. Um, yet, uh, business is tough, I suppose. You know, it's been a very challenging number of years with COVID and and um, all of that, you know, so business definitely kind of we're just coming back, I suppose, to some bit of normality. And now this energy crisis has hit. So it's extremely hard on, on businesses at the minute. Yeah, like take your own situation. They told us, the lads from Brunch in Delhi, Paul told me that their electricity bill alone had trebled inside a year. Yeah, absolutely. I was only looking at my figures there last week and it's, it's, it's tripled as well. No, I'm just hopeful that this the the new grant that was announced in the budget from the government will will be of um, help to businesses to survive. You know, this is the but, TB, uh, this is the TBESS or the TEBSS, whatever they call it. This how how is that going to work? That allows you to claim back. Is it forty percent of the increase? Yes, forty percent of the increase. So basically, if your bill has increased by a thousand, you can claim back four hundred uh, through the government uh, scheme. You know, it's a hell so, of a it's it's a help. It is absolutely a help. I suppose the biggest help um, for small business are are the local people supporting local jobs and local businesses rather than buying online or shopping online. Um, you know, getting into your local shop and and buying it off the shelf basically rather than rather than doing it online would be the biggest help that anyone could do. You know. Yeah. Now you're currently charging uh, four sixty for a pint of Guinness. That's that's decent. Correct, that's yeah. decent, Sean. But are you going to be able to sustain that? Well, I'm I'm hopeful. I suppose um, the last thing people want is is increases in prices. You know, so um, I'm I suppose I'm lucky. The business is is going fairly well at the minute. You know, and if it, if it continues the way I am, there won't be any increases. You know, but I suppose we will have to review it if 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 things quieten down and stuff. You know. Yeah. Do you do food? No, I don't do any food, no. Okay, that probably keeps your costs down because kitchen costs have gone very, very high. What are you hearing then as a as a as a councillor? Um, I suppose it's it's not just from businesses, it's from every household and all that. Their bills have all increased and all that, you know. So people are just struggling at the minute, I think of it. And um I know some, some businesses aren't aren't going to survive. Um but I suppose like that's the negative side, but we have to look at the positive side. There's new businesses opening as well and they can see a future you know, some of these businesses that are closing are going to be taken over shortly and the doors will be reopened again. So we have to look at the positive side of, of the crisis as well, you know. Yes. Yeah, and I think that is important. There's a lot of negativity out there, but some of the business people that I'm speaking with every day are saying, look, this is dog rough. Some of us won't survive, but many of us will, and we should focus on that. Yeah, um, some of the businesses won't survive, but um, I, I'm not saying for a second that like that, that, the 
the energy crisis is the reason that they're not going to survive. Some of them weren't going to probably survive anyway after COVID, you know. Yeah. But it's just like it's like one one um, crisis after the other. Like if if we didn't, if the Ukrainian war and the energy crisis didn't happen for another year or two, probably those businesses would have built up enough in their banks yeah. to to ride the storm next time. You know. No, it's the it's I. It, it, my, my 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 mistake. It's the Admiral Drake. You have a very famous pub uh, down in Crosshaven, of course. Like the Admiral Drake is there since forever. Um, and it's there. It's there a long time. I long, suppose, PJ. Long yeah. time. And many many pubs and and small businesses around it. Yeah, it's a small it's a small village, um, bustling in in the summertime, um, with a lot of tourists and and uh, boats coming in, and we had Cork Week this year, which was a great success. Uh, the winter time is more challenging. You're supposed to depending on the locals and and a few tourists that will be coming into the village. Um, so I suppose if we can just get over over the winter, I suppose, and and look into the the spring of next year and the summer of next year, hopefully things will improve will have improved and the, the energy crisis won't be as bad. Hopefully, as what it is, you know, they're expecting us to come out of that as well. So if we can survive, I suppose, you know, that that will be it. You know. Okay. okay. Here's good luck. Good luck with that. Uh, that's uh, Sean O'Donovan, the Fianna Fáil councillor and the gaffer at the famous Admiral Drake in Crosshaven. Something told me that it was banned and that he was in, but he's not. His pub is in the ad- very famous Admiral Drake in Crosshaven. There's an announcement coming from Kinsale as well, where one of the best known pubs in Kinsale and is there a better known place in Cork or a nicer place in Cork for a summertime pint than sitting on the wall opposite the Bullman? Maybe with a, a sandwich to go with it. It's lovely. And the owners have announced that the business, they're stepping away, but they're handing it over to new owners. Uh, Pierce and Mary O'Sullivan have had the Bullman since since forever really, 20-something years, and Mark and Donald Crosby will take the reins for the winter and indeed hope, hopefully, uh, on to more and more success. We would like to take this opportunity, they said on social media, to thank all our brilliant customers, work colleagues, past and present, and our suppliers from the last 14 years at the Bullman and at 22 years as Toddy's Restaurant. And there's the connection. I... Pierce O'Sullivan's grandfather was Toddy and Toddy was the manager of the Gresham Hotel in Dublin and the famous bar in the Gresham is known as Toddy's and I always knew there was a Cork connection but I didn't quite know what it was and there it is explained to me. Thank you. 0818969696 On the businesses and how things are doing we know that on top of everything else there is a minimum wage increase coming in January. It's currently, what, 10.50 and it's going up to 11.30 for the minimum wage. And those people who would campaign for better say that it needs to get up to 12.90 to be a living wage. But it's kicking in on the 1st of January and it's a 7% pay increase, 7 to 8% pay increase for people who are on the minimum wage. This call says 11.30, that's too high for a minimum wage Many businesses won't take it. My business won't be able to take it. 
if you're down at Kent Station between 1 and 3, you'll see something unusual today. They're giving out sensory packs. It's a great idea. They're giving out noise-cancelling headphones, sunglasses and a fidget spinner to people who might have extra sensory needs. And nice little initiative. And I've asked to give it a mention. Between 1 and 3 today, Ian uh, given giving out sensory packs at Kent Station. Nice to see that. Right, that's it for today. The programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Even more chances for you to get into the draw for Sun Samba and Styles on the Big Drive Home this week. Already we've had excitement. Oh my God! I've been trying all week. We've had hardcore Harry fans. He does have four nipples. And we've had this. Oh my God! I'm actually going to throw up. I'm actually going to throw up. And lots more to come this week. You're listing out for the hits of Harry. Make sure you're with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home with Kevin. Leary Silver Springs, the new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM.